Amen. Kind of a throwback, but it still makes you cry. When you can remember what it felt like when God came to you. Amen. Because we do have a heavenly father that is able. A lot has been said today about the dads and will be said more about the dads and the fathers. And we're so grateful that God instituted the family and the fathers. But I need it to be said and not left unsaid that sometimes moms are called on to be both mom and dad. And sometimes dads are called on to be both mom and dad. And uh, as I was praying this morning, in particular, thinking of ladies that, for whatever reason, are raising children without a father in the home, I, I felt the Lord just give me this word, my grace is sufficient. So God will give you the strength, and I don't want you to leave this service as we talk about dads and feeling like you have been neglected or left out because... Uh, you are, God will help, God will aid. But I do want to spend some time today and just remind us, as my wife already mentioned, the importance of fathers and the importance of the role model of the fathers. I, I didn't pull all the statistics together. We've done those in the past. But I will say that the greatest, statistically, the greatest thing that you can do to empty the prisons out in this nation is to put fathers in the home. It's something like 80% of the men in prison come from fatherless homes. Um, the greatest thing that you can do to eliminate poverty in this country is to put a father in the home. Uh, so many ills can be fixed when we understand the scriptural directives of the Lord but can I tell you, as we think through those things, doesn't it make it more clear and more obvious why the enemy targets families so hard? Because he's after the next generation. He knows that if he can destroy your family, he can affect generations to come. So we have to fight for it. How many knows that there are some things worth fighting for? I, I, I was thinking as they were... Uh, you know, as you get older, there are some things that just aren't worth fighting for. But there are always things that are worth fighting for. Uh, I was thinking they were singing that song, When God Ran. Uh, I realize as you get older, um, it's just not worth running away from a lot of stuff. You just don't have the energy for it. But there's still some things that will inspire you to run to them. And, uh, you know, that, that's where... Uh, can I tell you that running toward the godly family is still worth the effort? Amen? And uh, open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. Give me about 20 minutes. And honestly, there are, and, and the, you probably hear me say, Luke chapter 15, you've probably heard me say it many times, there are multiple messages that can be preached out of this parable. And so it's hard to stay sometimes on point. Uh, but I, I want to speak to the attributes of a father, uh, and I want to look at this, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son 
but I want to look at it from the father's perspective. You could preach a sermon from the son's perspective, the prodigal son's perspective. You can preach a sermon from the older brother's perspective. Uh, there are many ways you could go, but I want to try to stay focused this morning and look at this parable from a father's perspective and let us see some of the attributes of a godly father. I'm going to read the entire parable. So it's Luke chapter 15, 11 through verse 32. And then I'll come back and make a few comments. And he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, that, I'm not going to pause a lot, but that's a significant scripture. Verse 12, the younger son says, Give me my portion of your inheritance. And the father divided to both of his children. It says he divided unto them his inheritance or his living. Uh, I think it's important that we note that because God by nature is not a respecter of persons. And if God blesses one, he's going to bless the other. And uh, so we ought to be able to be cele celebrate that. And so he called for him to give them his inheritance, or him his inheritance, give them their inheritance. Let's move on. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with his husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. But when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and went and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what things this meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, and because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years 
do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, and I, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this by thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost, and he is now found. Father, I just ask right now your anointing and blessing over the next few moments, God, as you remind us of the power of a father's love. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk real briefly about four attributes attributes, thank you, for attributes of a father's love. Uh, first of all, in this story, our heavenly father, and that's what we're going to model after this morning, our heavenly father, our heavenly father is a protecting father. Um, Psalm 61, 2 says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is high. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Can I tell you that the enemy wants to draw us out of the house because there's protection in the house. The younger son, as long as he was in the house, the enemy was limited to what he could do to him. So he messed with his attitude. He messed with his mind. He had him look at things wrong. And so he became unsettled and angry and bitter and resentful and all of the lustful and all of these things that the enemy will put in your spirit because he knows that he cannot get to you unless he draws you away. That's why the Bible talks about when the, uh, the shepherd would leave the foal to go out and find the one because he would leave the 99 to go find the one. Why? Because the one has been drawn away and is most vulnerable. We, we talked about the good shepherd of, uh, several weeks ago and, and we realized that the Bible says that the enemy, the wolf, comes in to scatter the sheep. Uh, I, I, one of, the, uh, one of the, the terrible things that... Uh, that we're realizing that, that happened during this uh, pandemic. A lot of good things come out of it and, and just throwing tithes envelopes at me. Praise God. A lot, lot of good things come at it, came out of it. But one of the bad things that came out of it was people were scattered and the weaker and the more vulnerable uh, are getting devoured. That's why it's so important that those of us that yet remain uh, we reach out and we bring them back into the fold because there's safety in the house. And so the, let, let me, you know, I, I, our father is invincible. He cannot be defeated. And I mean, if you, uh, it, it, when I had small children at home and still I have a, a wonderful wife at home, we don't have any more small children right now at home. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we do. But, um, uh, but, but uh, if, if someone were to break into my home to harm my children, uh, I'm not invincible. 
I, I can be defeated. Now, I can tell you they would have to defeat me, but that can happen. But can I tell you that if someone comes against you in the house of God, if someone comes against you in the presence under the shelter of the Almighty, you are protected because you have a protecting Father. Secondly, you have a providing Father. You, you have a, an all-sufficient El Shaddai, an all-sufficient Father that, that is able to meet your needs, amen? Uh, that's able to whatever you have need of. That's why it's so important that we keep our eyes on the Lord and not on the circumstance because God is over the circumstance. If we can only worship God when things are going good, there's something wrong with our theology, but when we can worship, and, and if, we, if we get drawn, that's how we get drawn out of the house, by the way. Because if we can only worship God when things are going good, then we miss the point. We become materialistic. We become uh, circumstance-driven. And then the enemy, all the enemy has to do is mess with your circumstance. But as long as you're under the protection and your faith is based on God, then the enemy knows I've got to take God out and I can't win that battle. So he has to transform us because God is a sufficient provider. If you need, uh, if you need uh, employment, God has employment. If you need income, if you need money, God has money. If you need healing, God is a healer. If you need salvation, God is a savior. If you need deliverance, God is a deliverer. If you need direction, God is a way maker. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way. No one goeth to the Father but by me. So we have all that we need. He is all sufficient. What do you have need of this morning? Your father is able. Your father is able. Whatever your, your need, if, you have a, uh, if you're discouraged, God is an encourager. He is the, Bible says he is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Amen? So when we turn to the Father, he is our shelter. He is a strong tower. Let God be that providing force, that El Shaddai, that all-sufficient one in your life this morning. He is a patient father. If you don't shout at any other point this morning, I suspect everyone in here ought to be thankful that he is a patient father. <laughs> How many have ever tried the patience of God? Some of you have just been perfect. Some of us have messed up a few times. And some of us have messed up a lot of times. And the patience of a loving father that time and yet time again will encourage and strengthen and be there. The, the, the story uh, tells us the, this, this beautiful parable, and it says that, and we, we don't know how long this had been. I, I'm going to take off. Everybody sees that I have a coat. I'm going to take it off. We don't know how long it had been since uh, the, the, the prodigal son had gone away. 
But we see this story that the Bible says that the father saw him when he was yet a far way. Indicative to me that he regularly went out looking for him, waiting for him, praying for him, waiting for his son to come home. Why? Because he was patient. He, he, the Bible says that he spent all that he had. God, now let, let's just get scriptural and spiritual out of the realm of money for a minute. God had invested, because when God invests in us, only a little bit of the time is it finances. But God invests anointings in you. God invests callings and and insights and God invests into the spirit of who you are because can I tell you that finances will follow the anointings and the giftings that God puts inside of you so instead of praying for finance pray for God to stir up giftings in you <laughs> can I tell you that this is a whole other message so I'm not gonna go there I'm trying I told you I'm trying to stay focused but when we begin to function uh, in the giftings of God then we don't have to worry about the other things because the Bible says that uh, goodness and mercy shall follow. It says that signs and wonders shall follow. The, gift, the, 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 the things of this world will pursue you when you quit pursuing them and put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then the things of this world will come your way. They'll just fall into your lap. Now, that's just a side note. Let's get back on point. Um, uh, so, so he is a, uh, uh, which, which point was I on? <laughs> what did you say? I don't have my glasses. <laughs> yeah, patience. He is a patient father. So, so he, he saw him from far away. He watched and waited for him to come in. And uh, once he came in, he came to where he was. That was why I love that. Old Philip Craig and Dean song, uh, when God ran, he came to where he was. God is patient with you. Uh, if you've ever messed up, the enemy's going to come in and try to tell you that God's written you off. Well, you, you blew it that time. God's not going to forgive you this time. Can I tell you, the devil is a liar. God is a patient God. He doesn't look at time like we look at time. He's got time. I, I know where I was going with that. God's invested anointings in you. And so the Bible says that uh, when he went his way and he spent all that he had on riotous living, every time we fail, every time we sin, it costs us something out of our anointing. It pulls something away from us and, until we eventually become bankrupt with the, with the presence and the anointing of God. And we find ourselves in the pigsty. But sometimes we have to get to the pigsty so that we can appreciate the house. Sometimes we have to get to the bottom so that we can appreciate. How, how, how many has ever seen? Let me tell you, we have a problem in churches where we have a bunch of spoiled Christians that don't appreciate all the things that God has done. Not all churches. And not all Christians. 
Those, but those kind of like the, the, the older brother. They've grown so accustomed to the surroundings around them until they've forgotten to appreciate the blessings that they live in every day. And sometimes we have to lose everything so that God can restore everything and then we're an anointing that we've never imagined before, amen? That's why I'm so careful. I always want to remember where God brought me from, amen? Uh, when, when, when I start to get judgmental and I, and I feel like, well, why, wh how in the world did they do that? I'm reminded real quick, oh, don't you go there. <laughs> don't you go there. But by the grace of God, there go you. <laughs> that may not have been your problem, but your problem was leading down the same path of destruction that that problem's leading to, you better just pray for them. You better encourage them. You better be a part of the restoration and not a part of the problem, amen? I, I get frustrated real easy with judgmental people. I'm, I, I, I like to consider myself a pretty patient person. That's diminishing as I get older, by the way. But... My wife says I'm turning into a curmudgeon. Whatever that is, I don't know, but she tells me that a lot. So I need to look it up one day. I think it's something good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but nevertheless, uh, patience is, is a virtue. Uh, but, but, can, but can I tell you, I, and I can be patient with people that are struggling with sin. I can be patient with people even when they make the same mistake over and over again. And even though that tries your patience, I can be patient with them. But the thing that will try my patience the quickest is a judgmental, religious attitude that wants to come against people that are struggling, that are trying, that may be young Christians, that are trying to grow in the Lord. That will try my patience. Uh, and, and so we have to be guarded. We, we serve a, a father that, that was not judgmental, but that was loving. And then finally, he is a positioning father. God wants to position you for blessing. God wants, and, and sometimes, uh, yesterday we got ready to leave a restaurant we, we took a few minutes and run down and got some lunch. Um, and I got into my vehicle, and we were parked in front of a fence, and I accidentally put it in drive. Well, it's okay, but I don't know where you're going. It didn't go that far. I started to move forward, and I hit the brake. I said, well, I guess I better back up before I go forward. And when I said that, I said, man, there's a message in there. <laughs> How many know sometimes you got to back up before you go forward? Sometimes you got to reposition to go the direction you want to go in. And, and, and so uh, God is a positioning God. This, this young man, uh, had, let, let, me, let me get, let me get uh, somebody to help me, somebody that's young enough to be my son whole bunch of them over there. <laughs> One of you young men want to volunteer? Come on. All right. 
Young Benjamin. Doesn't he look like me a little bit? All right. Uh, so he is, you're, you're the prodigal son. Now, I know you've heard every word that I've preached, so I'm not going to even ask you about any of it. But um, he has been off spending everything that, that I have given him, and I gave him a lot of money. And he's been off spending every bit of it on sinful living, blowing it. He winds up in a pigsty. And he's sitting there trying. Now, evidently, uh, in this, this passage, the father is fairly well-to-do. He's got servants. He's got provision and possessions. And so the father is sitting there, uh, and, and, and here comes the, the, the prodigal son, and he smells like a pig because he was living with the pigs. And the Bible says he would even have eaten the pig food because nobody would give him anything. He blew all of his money, and when, he was, when the world was done with him, they threw him out. Can I tell you that when the devil's through with you, they'll kick you out. And so he spent all that he had, and then here he comes home. Go back to the back door and walk toward me. Uh, you don't have, and, and so he, he comes home. Now, I, uh, that's far enough, Ben. Turn, turn around and come back this way. And so Ben's coming back home, down, and, and I'm just thrilled to see him. I run to him, give him a hug, welcome home, son. But that's not enough because as soon as I come close to him, I notice that he smells like the world. And it, this is my son. He cannot represent me smelling like the world. I've got to reposition him. I've got to change some things about him. Now, the stench, the smell of the world will help him to, in, in his direction. It will always help him because it's important that we remember what the world smells like. And, and that we know where we're going. And so the, son, the father says, bring me the best robe. I'm a, I'm a, why? Because it's, the Bible talks about, uh, Isaiah talks about a robe of righteousness. And so the best robe, I'm a, can you put my coat on? It'll fit you. Look at that. Look at that. Will it button? Yeah. Oh, it'll button. So uh, <laughs> you like that. Uh, so, now listen, this robe of righteousness is important because it replaces the stench of the world. And it is impenetrable to the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy. And so, as long as he stays cloaked in righteousness, as long as he stays under the blood, as long as he stays wrapped in a robe of righteousness, the enemy cannot get to him. It is a protective robe. It, it is a representative. It is a transforming robe. It changes everything about him. It changes the way he looks. It changes the way people see him. It changes the way that he walks and thinks. It's the robe of righteousness that transforms him into the image of his father. Look at that. We match. If you see him, you see me. It is part of my cloak. It's part of my covering. Then the Bible says, but that's not enough because he's going to need authority. He's got protection. He's got status, but he's going to need authority. So the father says, let me put my ring on his hand. Give me your, 
That's your right hand. I don't want to marry you. Um, he put, he put, there, let me put it on your big finger. There you go. He puts his ring, don't lose that. He puts his ring on his hand. Why? This is a signet ring. This ring represents the father's household. When he goes in to buy, when he goes in to reclaim the anointing, when he goes in and says, that doesn't belong to you, devil. That's mine. I'm here to get it. I'm here to get my healing. I'm here to get my finances. I'm here to get my, my health. The, the, the enemy's going to say, under whose authority are you coming? And he's going to say, this is the ring of authority that God has invested in me. And when I stamp this, when I put my hand... You put it, the old days, you'd put, take, your, you'd take your signet ring and you would put it in ink and you would stamp the contract with the signet on your ring. What does that tell you? That tells you that if they, whatever he stamps for, you bring it to the Father and the Father will stand good for it. If I trust him with the signet, then I trust him with the responsibility and the authority that goes along with it. He's righteous. He's got authority. But there's one other thing that he needs to do. Now, I'm not going to take my shoes off. But the father says, bring shoes and put on his feet. Can I tell you that the Bible talks about in Ephesians 6 to have our feet shod with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he's going to be out there representing me with my righteousness, he is going to be exercising my authority, then he needs to be my witness. He needs to be walking where I tell him to walk and living where I... And he can't represent me barefooted. How many of you have ever told your kids, put on something more respectable than that? I don't want everybody in church thinking that's all I can do. <laughs> wear, wear better shoes. Don't you have better shoes than that? Whatever, you know. And, and so they, uh, they, they, he put the shoes on his feet so that when he steps out, he is a formidable foe. This boy's been restored. He does, he's not a pig farmer. He never was a pig farmer. He was a son that fell into the pig pen for a while, but he didn't get comfortable there. And so God called him out of darkness, the Bible says, into my marvelous light. Why? That he might show forth the praises of him that called him out of darkness. Now, if I had time, I want you not to focus... The real star of the story isn't the son, even though it's called the prodigal son. The real star of the story is the father. Amen. It's the father that restores. It's the father that blesses. It's the father that's able. Not, you, you're going to probably die in my coat. It's hot. I'm hot watching you. I'm going to get you out of it. There you go. You, you can be seated, but give me that back first. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, but there was an older son. Now, we don't have time. I'm going to get into the older son. But there was an older son. I'll get this much into the older son. 
sitting there with his righteous, pious, religious attitude. Angry. Not happy, but angry. Can I tell you that there's a transformation going on in the church. And God is going to be bringing some new people in. And us old church hacks that have been around a while need to show forth the love of the Father and not the elder brother. Can I tell you, had the elder brother met the boy on the pathway, the story would have been totally different. He'd have sent him away. Dad don't want to see you. You sicken us. Get away from here. You've already got all you're going to get out of this house. I'm so glad that he met the father and not the elder brother. And I want to challenge you that when God brings somebody into the house of the Lord, do you want them to witness the spirit of the father or the spirit of the elder brother in you? In the way that you love them, in the way that you talk to them, in the way that you encourage them. Yeah, they might stink, but instead of telling them they stink, put on the robe of righteousness and wrap them up. You know, they, they, they may not know that they have authority to get delivered, but give them the ring of authority that they might walk in deliverance. They might not know how to be a witness and share Jesus Christ to the world. So put the feet, put the shoes of the gospel of Jesus Christ on their feet. Why? Because we want to have the spirit of the father, not the spirit of the elder brother. The boy said, the elder brother said, you never threw a party for me. And dad said, everything that I have belongs to you. What was he saying? Any day, son, that you wanted to throw a party, you could have walked out to the barn and put a rope around that fatted calf's neck and brought him up to the house and threw a party. If you weren't walking in the authority that I have vested in you, don't get mad at somebody else that is. Don't get mad because I know what I have. And by the way, the Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So there's not a shortage of fatted calves, amen? But every time that there's a celebration, there has to be bloodshed. That's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, amen? I'm going to stop here before we all have a heat stroke. But don't worry, I've got refreshments. <laughs> uh, we, 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 bow your heads with me. Father, Lord, I, I pray this morning on this Father's Day. Lord, I pray for our dads. Lord, no, I did not get a trinket or a gift, and probably I should have. But Lord, I, I pray, God, that you will let every dad know, God, that they are loved and valued God that we honor them and that we care for them and Father God that maybe there are some here that maybe they're not dads but Lord you love them and value them as well because you are our heavenly Father God I there are men and women today that don't know how to relate to a godly father because they never had a father in their home 
Help us. Help us. Help us, God, to be that example. God, to unbelievers, help us to be appalled with Timothy. Help us to find a fatherless son to invest in. Challenge us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name.